Good morning. So it's quite, just to be really honest, it's not actually the start of our Advent series. It's kind of a bit like the prequel, okay? So it's the bit before. So um, it is actually one week until Advent begins. I thought I'd just see who's ready. Any hands up? Who's bought their Advent calendar? Good. Only a few, flipping heck. Right, okay, uh, who's written the cards? I've done a few. Um, who's done a bit of Christmas shopping? Well, that's better. So you've done your Christmas shopping but not bought an advent calendar. Okay, anybody wrapped anything? Um, so I was going to say we've got some really organised people so we don't need to worry because they'll all be free to volunteer but it's not looking good at the moment. <laughs> so, um, okay, so for the last few months... Maybe even the last year, probably even beyond that, God has been speaking to me about living life differently. And I think many of us came out of COVID, didn't we, with questions about how are we going to live life from now on? And a sense that it wasn't right to just go back to doing all the same things and living in the same way. And it was actually an opportunity to reassess and reevaluate. And for me, some of you will remember, it was an opportunity to start dreaming with God again. However, with world events, the turmoil hasn't stopped, has it? We find ourselves facing a massive economic crisis, an ongoing war in Europe, and a country that's really been destabilised by losing our monarch, and a government which has felt like it's in disarray. So whilst on one hand we might sense that there's something new and fresh for us to lay hold on of from God, on the other hand we're kind of surrounded by a constant state of fear and anxiety. And I don't know about you, but for me, anxiety is in the air. Would you agree? And sadly, it's not something new. I think anxiety has been in the air for quite some time. The best definition of anxiety that I've heard of is anxiety is imagining a future without Jesus in it. A few weeks ago, we had Dr. John Andrews with us, and as always, he brought a challenge to us about where our focus was. And he said that whatever has our attention will have our focus. And this is in the Bible, in Proverbs, and the business world knows all about this. But Dr. Andrews encouraged us to lift our eyes from all that's going on around us and put our full focus on Jesus. And so, as we ready ourselves for Christmas and we begin our preparations, I wonder if there's a way of doing things a bit differently this Advent. I wonder if this year, for us at Junction 10, to be light in the darkness, we need a different posture. And we need to live a little differently. And this is something that I've come to know as living as a non-anxious presence. I wonder if you've heard that phrase before, a non-anxious presence. So this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time exploring a few ways that we might become a non-anxious presence, and in so doing, invite you to celebrate a non-anxious 
Christmas. Does that sound good? Does it? No? Maybe not? Come on. Uh, Okay, and whilst this morning I was going to frame this around Advent, I'm going to frame it around Advent, our current season, my husband pointed out to me that living as a non-anxious presence is not just for Christmas. So let's start, as we should always start, with Jesus. Can you turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew 14, verses 22 to 27. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land and the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. So for a moment, let's just hold on to those words. It is I. Do not be afraid. Perhaps just take a moment and think back over this last week where you have felt anxious. Maybe you're worried about somebody you love. Maybe you've got a work situation which seems unsolvable. Maybe you've simply felt rising panic as you filled your car with petrol or paid for your groceries. And so this morning, just hear Jesus speak those words to your soul. Do not be afraid. Jesus doesn't just say these words. He actually commands us, do not be afraid. Do you know it's the most common command found in the whole of Scripture? God really knew what we were like, didn't he? And so time and time again, he commands us, do not be afraid. In the middle of the story we've just read, we see Jesus enter it as a non-anxious presence. As soon as he arrives, fear is gone. He is our best and our greatest example of being a non-anxious presence. However, like me, I'm sure some of you are thinking, well, yes, but that is easier said than done. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to go a little bit deeper, exploring how we might do this. But just before we go into the practicalities of becoming a non-anxious presence, I want to just give you a very brief background to where this phrase, non-anxious presence, came from. Don't switch off on this bit, okay? There is a famous Jewish rabbi and thinker who's called Edward Friedman. And he wrote a book called The Failure of Nerve. He's an expert in family systems theory, and his book is seen to be a pivotal leadership book. His writings has kind of gone across, out from just his area, across churches and businesses around the world. And his basic premise is that the West is built around the myth of progress. Friedman, when he set out, he decided to just look at what the raw data said. 
And he found that when you study the data, that yes, progress has been made economically and with technology. So many people like us in the West earn more money than years ago, they live longer, they generally have a better standard of living. But despite that, the data revealed that the West was actually regressing emotionally and relationally. And so he developed a model called the five-step self-perpetuating cycle of anxiety, which is on the screen now. The cycle's actually known as a vicious cycle. We've all heard of vicious circle, haven't we? But this is a vicious cycle, and it reveals all the steps that lead to anxiety, some of sh I'm sure you'll recognise. Now, there's loads we could talk about on this cycle this morning, but I don't want to spend time on this today. Perhaps it's for another day, or perhaps it's something you might want to go and look at yourself. I'm sure lots of us would clearly relate to it. I wanted to show you this because Friedman goes on to say the only way to stop this cycle of anxiety, the only way to overcome it, is by being a non-anxious presence. And I am sure that you would agree with me when I say that the black country, the Allenwell, right here where we are today in Darleston, the neighbours on our street, our friends our families are actually in desperate need right now for us to step in and be a non-anxious presence in their lives and help break this cycle of fear. Amen? So how do we do this? How do we become the kind of Jesus followers that do this? Well, again, there's loads I could say on this today, but I'm going to keep it really simple because I wanted it to be achievable for you this Advent. So we're just going to explore three simple ways to be a non-anxious presence this Advent. Firstly, we have to slow down. Now that doesn't sound too hard, does it? This is what our good friend Pete Scazzaro, author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, calls a slow down spirituality. Because I think we all know the danger of hurry, don't we? Do you remember when John Ortberg asked the great theologian Dallas Willard, what must I do to go deeper into my discipleship journey? And Dallas replied, what did he reply, Roy? You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I thought he'd know that straight off. Um, now, some of you, I'm going to say that again, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. This was someone who was leading a massive church, who was preaching, and he was going, how can I go further? And that was the advice he was given. Now, some of you will say, you are mad, Vicky. This is the busiest season of the year to ask me to slow down. But there is a danger. If we don't slow down... If we don't stop, if we don't actually say no to some things, then you'll miss the gift that is available to you right now in this season. Notice in the passage that we read earlier in verse 22, it said Jesus had been busy in ministry with the crowds of people. He sent his disciples off on the boat while he went up to the mountainside to pray. Jesus knew he needed time alone with his father. And the passage says, when evening came. 
which means Jesus didn't nip off for a quick prayer time and then rush right back to ministry. He slowed right down and spent time with his heavenly father. I wonder how some of us could intentionally slow down in this season. How can we spend unhurried time with our heavenly father? Maybe this means a new intentionality about your quiet time. Maybe your quiet time isn't just one part of your day. Maybe your rhythm needs to change to be with God more than once in your day. Maybe your prayer time isn't just a rushed few moments, but a space where you actually sit with God and you talk to him and you listen to what he wants to say to you. On the 21st of December, we're going to hold a peace service at church on the corner. And that's going to be an intentional space to stop, to slow down, and to be with God. It's going to be a quiet service. We're going to pray together. We're going to make space to listen to God. And we're going to worship together. And we'd love you to join us. We'd love you to come to this. And if you want to know more about it, then come and chat to me or Rachel. Um, and we've, we've, as Joe said, we've got a little bookmark for you with the details on. So I thought you could keep that, actually, in your Bible. And it could be a bit of a reminder of this service. It could be a reminder of, I need to slow down. I need to actually have a couple of minutes longer with God today. It could also be used as an invitation, though, because you might know somebody who would really enjoy a quiet space where they've got time and space to be with Jesus. So perhaps you could use it as an invite as well. It's on the door as you go out. There are many times in the Gospels where Jesus' day-to-day life is interrupted. And C.S. Lewis once said, how we respond to an interruption is who we really are. This is a terrifying statement for me. (laughs) As my family will tell you, when I'm rather focused on something, I struggle greatly to be (laughs) interrupted. As I said earlier, we've actually moved from one interruption to another. COVID was an interruption. Our current economic crisis is an interruption. So how are we going to respond? Jesus lived that slowed down spirituality. He had enough margin in his life that he could welcome any interruption with love. And I wonder if you've got any margin in your life right now. Because when we have no margin, that's when stress and anxiety enter in. Hurry is incompatible with love. And if we hurry through Advent and then through Christmas, then we're not going to be loving well. And we're not going to be anything close to being that non anxious presence so this advent can I encourage you to be intentional to slow down make some space to be interrupted practice hospitality do you remember we did a whole series on hospitality back in May and June this is a great time to do that chat to your neighbors phone someone up write them a letter slow down to love well Well, I think you've probably guessed what my second suggestion is going to be, (laughs) to becoming a non-anxious presence. And then once we've slowed down, we actually have to take time to rest. If we look at the four Gospels, we see that Jesus' life is one of retreat and return. 
retreat and return. And Jesus takes time, like he does in our passage today, to retreat and be with his Father. He, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I wonder, can the same be said of you or of me? Do we often take time out to rest, to Sabbath, to nap, to hear from our Heavenly Dad? Jesus always did this before returning to his ministry. I think it could actually be argued that the more demand put on Jesus, the more he took time out to pray, to rest, to sleep, to eat, and to get direction from his Father. And I wonder, in our busy preparations and activities, are we actually planning time out to rest and to be with God? Is that part of your planning, or will it just get squeezed and pushed to the bottom of the pile? I think the busier the season, the more that life is put on your shoulders, the more our anxiety increases, and the more we need to prioritise our rest and our renewal. And this is just a little aside for those with children because I've noticed this myself, the more we need to do it for them as well, because they really need to see us resting and learn how to create the right rhythms in their own lives, because if they follow the world, it's just do, 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 burnout. So they need, we need to be their example. It's really interesting because our little journey group, we're currently being a pilot group for Practicing the Way. It's a non-profit organization run by pastor and theologian and author John Mark Comer. And we're really excited about it. And we're hoping that at a later stage, this is something that's going to bless us all at Junction 10. However, the first practice we're looking at is Sabbath. And it's, I really like that it's called practicing because the idea is that we practice. We don't get it right straight away. And you know that Sabbath is a weekly gift from God to each of us. So we've all started, at least I hope we have, um, to actively practice, practice Sabbath. And we've been sharing about how we've got on. So firstly, I think I should say, it's really hard to stop and rest. Sometimes, even if I'm still on a chair, my head is not resting. Because it's going a million miles an hour. But secondly, I think when I do stop and rest, I'm a nicer person. And all that stuff that's whirring around in my brain has got space to just settle down. And I can feel that closer connection to God. But what I've also noticed is that the enemy doesn't like this. And so tests me to go beyond the boundaries and the limitations that I have set so, as we go into this, I think we need to expect the enemy to test us on a regular basis to go beyond the boundaries we've set, to slip into Christmas overload and exhaustion, to do too much, to do it too fast, because that's what everybody else is doing, right? What would it take for you right now to rest more? Take a moment to think about it. What would it take for you to rest more, to sleep more, to Sabbath, and to just let Jesus bring that peace right to the surface of your heart? Something that's been massive for us, actually, is we've decided to try and have eight hours sleep a night. 
It's been like really, really good, hasn't it? And that's really simple, but it's been a way of resting a bit more. So finally, our third step towards becoming a non-anxious presence is through koinonia. Koinonia is a Greek word, and it means Christian fellowship or to have communion with fellow Christians. And this word is used lots in the Bible, but most commonly in the book of Acts. And it's used to describe that beautiful relational bond between fellow believers. And Jesus had this relationship, koinonia, with Peter, James, and John. Remember, he says to them, I have called you friends. And this beautiful relationship or deep spiritual friendship became the gold standard for the early church. Now, hopefully, even as I've just mentioned the word koinonia, your words will have gone straight to our mandate because our vision as a church is to be a community with Jesus at the centre. And the word community here is our link to koinonia because we want Junction 10 to be a community which is full of these life-giving, authentic, spiritual friendships. Yes? We live in a really individualistic society and a society which is all about me and a society which struggles with high statistics of loneliness. A society which has got a deep need for koinonia. I think there is a longing for honest, joyful, deep, vulnerable, self-giving relationships. And this is what church is about, and that's what it should be. This is a well-lived life, and it's a massive part of being a non-anxious presence. There are loads of people who are so lonely, and it is so attractive for you, for them, when you talk about church and what you have got there. That is so attractive. Um, the people sitting around you this morning are your brothers and sisters. Look around you. Why not smile at them? (laughs) Because these people are your family. And this is where God has placed you right now, in this moment in time, and this is your family. And that's not an accident. It's not. And I know that I say this in every preach of mine, but I really don't care because... (laughs) Guess what I'm going to say? I believe that this begins with your journey group. I can honestly stand in front of you and say, I love my journey group. And I trust these beautiful people. Um, I trust them to, to be honest enough with me all the time. They speak honesty into my life. And I, I let them speak into my life. But I also appreciate that doesn't happen overnight. You don't walk into a group and it suddenly feels like that. That it takes time and commitment. So what it does, ta- and what it does take is a first step from you to make community and fellowship a priority in your life. And I wonder this morning, what would it look like for you to set aside some time to do more together? this Christmas. I mean, maybe it is that you decide this morning, I need to be in a journey group. But what can you do to be part of what's going on here? You saw from the advert earlier, there's loads for you to get involved in. I mean, we've got a choir running. 
What a brilliant example of koinonia. Doing something which I think is joyful, isn't it? Makes you happy to sing. And you're gonna, you might meet new people there. What a brilliant example of that. We've got special services to get involved in. And do you know what? The promise I'm going to make you this morning is that it will bless you to be involved, to be a part of it. You'll get to know some new people. You'll get to build on relationships you already have. And all those fears and all those worries and all that stress will lose its control as you roll up your sleeves and you get stuck in. So, next Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent. And hopefully you will have all got your calendars by then. And we're going to be starting our new series. And that series is called Making Room. And each week, we're going to be asking you to make room in your lives for our wonderful saviour, Jesus. So in order for you to begin to make space, we wanted you to walk into Advent with a different posture. We really didn't want you to be head down and push through it. We want you to receive the gift and be the gift to those around you. We want you to be part of breaking this anxiety, this cycle of anxiety. We don't want anxiety to be in the air anymore and to learn to apprentice yourself to Jesus, to be a non-anxious presence, to take up his easy yoke, easy, and to learn to walk with him through Advent and beyond. Worship team, do you want to come back up? Like many things, we've got to be intentional about this. And I really think a great way to start is through prayer. I've got our prayer ministry team this morning. I've got my badge on. And um, there's nothing that they would love more than to just sit and to pray with you. Maybe you could be intentional and share with them that this, Christ- this Advent, you want to slow down. You want to learn how to rest. You want to be involved. You could pray over it together. They're going to be in that little circle of chairs down there. So don't miss a beautiful, open invitation to pray. And I'm really a big believer that God is always inviting us into something. And I wonder this morning, what is his invitation to you? I sensed, and I've been thinking about this for a long time, but I sense it again this morning, that many of you need to hear those words, do not be afraid. Mm. 